Man, I came with a, with a word of my heart all the way from New York City, and I'm, I'm so excited to share with you today. So I want to start off by reading to you two portions of Scripture, two portions of Scripture. The first is found in the book of Mark. It's the, it's the 15th chapter, starting at the 16th verse, reading from the message translation. It, it says this. It says, they dressed him, Jesus, up in a purple cape. And put on a crown plated from a thorn bush on his head. Then they began their mockery. They said, bravo, king of the Jews. They banged on his head with a club, spit on him, and knelt down in mock worship. After they had had their fun. Man, that that verse hurts me every time I read it. After they had had their fun. We're talking about our Jesus, our Savior. After they had had their fun. They took off the purple cape, put his own clothes back on him. Then they marched out to nail him to the cross. There was a man walking by coming from work, Simon from Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. They made him carry Jesus's cross. The soldiers brought Jesus to Golgotha, meaning Skull Hill. They offered him a mild painkiller wine mixed with myrrh, but he wouldn't take it. And they nailed him to the cross. They divided up his clothes and threw dice to see who would get them. Skipping on over to the book of Colossians, it it says this, and I thank God for this verse. It says, he forgave us all our sins. Come on, that's a reason to shout right there. He, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that stood against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Come on, can we give Jesus a shout? He took it away. What what did he take away? He took away the sin and he took away the shame and the guilt that was attached to that sin. It says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. This verse is so revealing because what it's saying to us is in that moment where, where they thought they were getting the best of him. He was actually taking the worst from us. Take the next few moments. I want to speak to you from this idea. I got it from here. I got it from here. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, speak. Have your way in this place. No matter where we are, what campus we find ourselves, as we find ourselves in this community, would you allow us to hear your voice and what it is that you're saying to us in this season of life? In Jesus' name we say, amen. Growing up, I've always heard this term that there are some things in life you have to do on your own. Have any of you ever heard that that term before? There are just some things in life you got to do on your own. How many of us believe that to be true? I I believe that's a completely true statement. I mean, think about any test you've ever taken. You had to do it on your own, whether it was an SAT or a driving test. Think about it. If you would have came with some friends, some help, you would automatically be disqualified. Why? Because there are just some things in life you got to do on your own. 
own. Think about when you go to the gym. It's cool if you go in groups and you could have on matching outfits and you could take all the selfies you want in front of that mirror. But unless you're willing to diet and lift up the weight yourself, how many of us know we're never going to get into the shape that we want? Why? Because there are just some things in life you got to do on your own. Next, next month, my wife and I will make 12 years of marriage. 12 years. I know. How blessed is she? Um, But think about it, though. 13 years ago, when I went to propose, imagine I sent somebody else in my place. That wouldn't have worked. Why? Because there are just some things in life you got to do on your... How many of us know we serve a God that requires us to do some things on our own? In other words, nobody else can do holiness for you. Nobody else can obey for you. Nobody else can walk out the road that God has called you to walk out for you. Nobody else can praise God for you. Does anybody love praising God in this place? Come on. Nobody else can worship God for you. Do we have any worshipers in the house? Nobody else can shout to God for you. How about you give Jesus a shout in this place? It's important to know that we serve a God that requires us to do some things on our own, even though we operate in community within that community. He is relying on us and expecting us to carry out certain things that only each and every one of us can carry out. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to carry your cross daily. I want to. I want to point out that line right there, that, that, that statement that he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must carry your cross daily. Now, if you're just reading this or hearing the verse referenced, it could be a bit confusing because when you think of some of the songs we sing and the language we use and we talk about the moment that I just read to you when he died on that day, at the end he said, it is finished. So if he was on the cross and said, it is finished on the cross, why would I have to carry out a cross on a daily basis? I don't, I, I don't get it. Well, I'm glad you asked. Because when Jesus makes this statement, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must carry your cross. That is not the same cross that he died on. What that word actually translates to is purpose. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must carry out your purpose on a daily basis. If if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is how we define purpose. Purpose is God's predestined plan for your life. God has a predestined plan for each and every one of us. And here's what he's saying. If you want to consider yourself a disciple, if you want me to consider you a disciple, then you must carry out your cross daily. You must carry out your purpose daily. And so often we like to treat our purpose like we treat our hobbies. We'll get to it when we can get to it. We'll get to it when the time makes way. We'll get to it when the kids are older. We'll get to it when we get a break from our job. But the fact of the matter is if what you're doing on a daily basis isn't your purpose then it's not only taking up your time but it's a waste of time because as believers we are to walk out our purpose on a daily basis if you want to be my disciple he says you must carry out your purpose It's imperative that you understand that regardless how long you've been involved in the life of this community, whether it's been since the inception of this church or just last week, you have to know this. You are a purposed people. 
You have a calling on your life. God has something for each and every one of you. And maybe it's to be a pastor. Maybe it's to be a worship leader. Maybe it's to be an author. Maybe it's in education. Maybe it's in entertainment. Maybe it's in law. Maybe it's taking care of your children at home. Regardless of what it is, there is a purpose that God has placed in front of you. And he says, I want you to carry that out daily. And anything would that be taking you away from carrying that out is actually taking you away from me. If you're not carrying out your purpose, then whatever you're doing is carrying you away from me. If you want to be my disciple, you must carry your cross daily. My prayer, my hope is that by the time we're done, that we have a willingness and an obedience and a And the posture to say, God, wherever it is you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do. Because here's what I believe. I know there are people in the room that are very aware of what it is that they're supposed to be doing. But we've been procrastinating and we've been fighting because we know what that means. And we're comfortable in this job and we're working in this place and we're involved in this thing. And we think, God, I'm not old enough. I'm not adequate. I don't have the credentials. You're calling me to do this. But but how could I go and do that thing? I'm not I'm not ready yet. You were ready the moment you confess Jesus Christ was Lord. You have to understand that that the grace of God will enable you and strengthen you to carry out the cross that he puts in front of you. So, So no more excuses because the fact of the matter is this is actually the response to the prayer that you've been praying. I have two beautiful children. I have a I have a 10 year old son named Dylan and I have a seven year old daughter named named Chloe They're They're both saved. I've checked. And, uh, and I'm so proud of them. But there are times I have these moments where I'm a bit, I'm a bit embarrassed by them. Um, and it's not that, that they're not awesome because they're not awesome. It's not because they're not smart because they're very smart. But, but sometimes, almost on a daily basis, they will ask the same questions over and over and over again. And almost every day we give the same response. But yet they're, they're, they're so optimistic that they're hoping they're going to get a different response on this day. The, the, the popular question that we will get seven days a week is when it's dinner time and we place the food in front of them. They will always do the same thing. They'll look down at the plate. They'll look up at each other. They'll look back down at the plate. They'll look up at each other. Then they'll look back up at us and say, Mom, Dad, do I have to eat all of it? (laughs) And every night we say, absolutely, but... But like, what what were they expecting us to say? Like, what was different from the 364 days prior to this moment? Like, sometimes I just want to mess with them and be like, eat all of it? No, you don't have to eat all of it. In fact, how about you eat none of it, okay? I have a really good idea. Let's order pizza, okay? Wouldn't that be American of us? Yeah, come on, let's get a pizza and we'll throw away the food. Well, we were actually trying to figure out when me and your mom were in the supermarket and we were buying food and we were figuring out our budget was, hey, 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 how much food can we actually throw away? No, no, don't eat all of it. (laughs) Allow me to suggest to you that if it's on your plate, 
then you're more than able to consume it. So often as believers, we argue about the portion that we've been given and we say, God, can I just get to this and and not worry about this? Or can I just get to that? And I I don't really want to deal with this. But what you don't realize is God won't give you anything more than you could bear or handle. So if it's on your plate, then it's meant to be consumed. But here's the other side of it. When you prayed that prayer and said, God, make me that man, make me that woman, what was on your plate were the ingredients for you to become that man and for you to become that woman. So when he said, carve out time to pray with me and you pushed it aside, you were now neglecting the fact that you were able to become that man in that moment, that woman in that moment. When he says, I want you to be generous and I want you to give this away. I want you to offer this to them. And you said, no, not today, some other day. What you did was you you. Push the plate to the side. I don't want to be that kind of believer. I don't want to be a believer stuck at the table complaining over the portion that I've been given and yet pray prayers that contradict that very moment. God, I want to be the man that you want me to be, which then means whatever you put in front of me, then I'm going to obey and do. Whatever you ask of me, then that's what I'm going to respond to. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to neglect it. I want to get up from the table and I want to be the kind of Christian that acts for seconds and acts for thirds and acts for fourths. Why? Because I am his disciple is there anybody in the room that's grateful to be a considered a disciple of Jesus Christ if you want to be my disciple then you must carry your cross daily what is it that he's been placed in front of you what is it that he's asking of you what is it that that he's requesting of you and who are we To say no. I feel like by the time we're done today, the next few moments, God's doing some surgery in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is just shifting our priorities. I really believe that those that are supposed to walk in the steps of becoming that minister or that lawyer or that doctor or whatever it is that he's purposed you to do, you're going to begin today with replying and responding and saying, God, whatever it is you have for me, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But I want to warn you. I want to warn you because the moment you step out those doors, the moment you leave your campus, please know that there's an enemy waiting on the other side of that campus that will want to distract you and will want to take you out. Let's say it this way. The moment your purposes are walked out is the moment your haters will come out. You have an enemy that is going to try to distract you and he's going to try to attack you and take you away from the decision you just made. And what's going to happen is it's not going to be from a stranger that opposes you. It's going to be from friends. It's going to be from family members. He's going to spur them on to be opposition in your life. But here's the thing you have to rely on. You have to rely on the word that you received from God, not on the words that man tries to speak your way. You have a word that God has spoken over you. You have a word that God has given you. That's what you take and you follow through. And it's that word that causes me to be obedient. And the fact of the matter is they're not going to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Because when it comes to the will of God, it never makes sense to man, but it doesn't need to make sense to man as long as it makes sense to God. 
They're not going to understand why you, why you move from one home to the next. They're, they're not going to understand why you, why you walk away from, from the degree so that you could join an internship. They're not going to understand why you're giving away money to those that are in need. They're not going to understand why you give away a car. They're not going to understand why you're committing so much time to that church. They're not going to understand why you're joining that crash course. They're not, they're not going to understand why you're opening up their house on a small group when Monday used to be poker night now it's small group night they're not gonna get it but so often so often they never get it Jesus says if they challenged me they're gonna challenge you if if they if they hated me they're gonna they're gonna hate you and the fact of the matter is Jesus dealt with it I mean can you imagine the insults they were hurling at Jesus when he was walking up Golgotha can you imagine what they were saying to him the, the moment they saw him carrying that cross. And I bet you it wasn't strangers. I bet you it was people that were blessed by the ministry at one point. See, I, I imagine that when Jesus on that Friday morning was, was walking up that hill. I imagine that there being a man there. Maybe, maybe a man that was in the crowd. When that woman pushed through the crowd and, and grabbed the hem of Jesus and got healed in that moment, I imagine there being a man that got pushed to the side and, and starts, to, starts to yell out to Jesus and says things like, I was there when that woman got healed and I'm not sure that how you did that, but, but look at you now. There's no way you could be the Messiah. I can imagine there being a man that benefited from the food, from the leftovers when Jesus fed the 5,000. And said, man, that was a good fish sandwich. and That was a good meal. And I'm still not sure how you got all that catering done in all that short amount of time. I, I don't get it because I, I saw you do that. I don't get it. But, but look at you now. There's no way you could be a king because kings wear crowns. And you, you're wearing thorns. Isn't it amazing? What often can seem like failure is actually fulfillment. What seemed like a glitch in history was actually the gospel being fulfilled. What seemed like a mistake was actually our Messiah carrying out the very purpose that God had placed on him. See, what we don't realize so often about the gospel narrative, about the gospel story, is that Jesus is actually walking out what it looks like to carry our cross. Yes, he died. He died on the cross for me. But in that moment... He shows us what it looks like when you carry a cross. Oh, when you carry a cross. And yeah, you're being obedient. Yeah, you're doing what God tells you to do. See, so often we define success and we make it seem like it's pretty and nice and, and people are rooting you on. But you know what true success is? True success is rooted in 100% obedience. When you walk out your purpose, when you carry your cross, oh, Oh, they're going to hate you. Oh, they're going to disrespect you. Oh, they're going to challenge you. But don't ever allow their words to get in the way of the assignment that God has spoken to you. You know, I think about this, this man, Simon. And so often I've, I've heard so many people brag on Simon or, or, or speak up Simon like, like he did Jesus a favor and on one side of it, you could almost feel bad for Simon because here's a guy that was just trying to get from point A to point B. Some, some translations refer to Simon as a passer buyer. He, he's done with work and he's just trying to get home. 
Well, as he's on his way home, he, he has a roadblock in front of him, and he, he's now made to wait. But because he's visible to the soldiers, they, they grab him, and now he's, he's made to carry this cross. And on one side of it, you could, you could almost feel bad for Simon because it was just a normal day. But it's amazing how this person that we've never heard of before now becomes a key character in the narrative. And what was just a normal day for him was actually what? It was the worst day in history and the greatest day in history. It's the, it's the worst day in history because it's the day that man decided to kill God. But it's the greatest day in history. Because it's the day that God decided to kill death. And yet for Simon, it was just a normal day. There are some of you here, you just thought it was a normal Sunday. You just thought it was another day to come to church. It was just another day to wake up. But what you didn't realize is that this is your most catalytic day. This is the day that God speaks to you. This is the day that you become a disciple. Because I know you've been to church before, but there is a difference between being someone that sits in the pew and being someone that doesn't mind helping to build the pew. Disciple says, I'll be obedient. A disciple says, I'll do whatever it is you call me to do. A disciple says, where you want me to go, I'll go. Because you are my God. And I am yours. Can you imagine what is running through the mind of Simon as he's tossed into this and he's now made to carry this cross? What is running through his mind? All the doubt, all the insecurity, all the anger. Oh, poor Simon. He was was made to carry Jesus' cross. I actually argue with that. Was he really made to carry Jesus, his cross? And in fact, I say the opposite. I don't think Simon ever touched Jesus' cross. In fact, I emphatically believe that, that Simon never even put his hands on what could have been Jesus' cross. See, because I believe it was the opposite. It's, it's key you understand who carried whose cross. It wasn't Simon that carried Jesus' cross. Friends, it was Jesus that carried Simon's cross. And Simon's son's cross. And thief one's cross. And thief two's cross. And Peter's cross. And Judas's cross. And every bad guy's cross. And every good guy's cross. And every robber's cross. And every evil person's cross. In fact, the only one that carried the cross was the only one that was never meant to touch it. What Simon does give us in that moment is a taste of what our lives would have looked like if we were made to carry our cross of sin. See, Simon, in those few moments, he carries that cross. And yes, he does make it to the top of that hill where he should have been murdered and he should have been crucified. But there was a transaction. There was there there was something that took place. There was a robbery that took place in that moment when when Simon gives the cross back to Jesus. Or where Jesus takes the cross from Simon, he's actually giving us a picture of the gospel. How great of a preacher and a teacher is Jesus to give us an illustration of the gospel as the gospel is being fulfilled. See, I believe if we were there in that moment, we would have had our cell phones out and memes would have been being made in the moment. Which, by the way, you ever wonder how they do that so quickly? It's always amazing. 
But memes would have been being made in the moment. And it would have read, Jesus be like, I got it from here. When he takes that cross from Simon, yes, Simon deserved to die on it. But Jesus says, although you deserved it, I'm going to take from you, not what you accomplished, not what you're entitled to, but what I want to give to you. And as a result, he who knew no sin becomes sin. The question you have to ask yourself is why? Why would he go through all the trouble? Why would he do it? Well, I believe the very thing that he did, he's now asking you to do. Is he asking you to die on a cross of sin? Absolutely not. He did that. But we already established that he's the one that knew no sin, but he became sin. He's the only one that was never supposed to touch that cross, but he's the only one that actually does. We know this because this is the gospel. See, in this moment, when Jesus dies on our cross of sin, he's actually carrying his cross of purpose. He's not asking you to do anything that he never did himself. When he dies on that cross and he is on that cross stretched out, he's literally showing you and putting on full display of what it looks like to be a disciple. Oh, friends, to be a disciple. It's not about getting Instagram likes or tweets or responses or fame. It is literally putting yourself at the mercy of the Father and saying, I'll do what you want me to do. And even though I don't understand it, and even though I wish I didn't have to walk it out, this seems to be the the only way and if this is what you're planning then that's what I'll commit to see Jesus shows us that day on that Friday of what purpose looks like but here's the good thing about Friday we don't live in Friday because Sunday's coming and because Sunday's coming there is a resurrection and there is a life see what seems so hard about your purpose what you have to understand the hard the hardship the trials it only lasts for a moment it only lasts for a few seconds but Sunday's coming resurrection is coming life is coming I'm not saying the steps won't be hard but I am saying they're essential and necessary the moment you walk out those hard steps you show others that is unqualified and as uneducated as they are because you walked out those hard steps they too could walk out whatever hard steps God places in front of them. I wonder if we would be a people, a community that would say, God, I don't fully understand why you're asking me to carry this cross, to to walk out this purpose, to do that thing. I pray that we would get away from the questions and we would start declaring, God, although I don't understand it, I got it from here. Because the fact of the matter is, Jesus took it from here so that we could take it from here. He didn't just save you to save you. He saved you to purpose you. Understand that when you reject your purpose, you discredit what it is that Jesus accomplished on that cross. It's it's about the purpose. It's about the plans that he has for you to prosper you and not to harm you but to give you a hope and a future. Worship team could join me. Before I pray, 
I want to share with you the story that I heard the other day about a dad. This dad was with his family in a theme park. And the dad had five children and one wife. And as they were in the theme park, the dad was doing what dads do. Buy the candy, hold the candy, hold the jackets, wait on the line. In fact, he decided to wait on a line that was pretty long so his children could enjoy the, the rest of the theme park along with his wife. And when it was time for them to get on the ride, he would call them and they wouldn't have had to wait at all. Well, after about 30 minutes of waiting on this line, he gets a call from his wife and she goes to check in on him and she says, how are you and Becky doing? And he says, well, I don't have Becky. You have Becky. In that moment, they realized that Becky was lost. He tells his wife, I want you to go this way and I'm going to go that way. He goes to the front of the theme park, and now he starts to check every child that is on their way out of the theme park, whether they were in a carriage or they were being held by, by a parent. And the parents are looking at him, and the people are looking at him, but the fact of the matter is he is looking for his child, and it doesn't matter how crazy he seems. He loves his child. He wants his child. Well, after about 40 minutes, which would seem like a lifetime to any parent, a park attendant comes walking around the corner holding little Becky. Obviously, it was a celebration in that moment. They're just happy to see their baby girl. But can you imagine if while waiting on that line, he says, you know what? I lost one, but we got four others. We got four other kids. It's not that big of a deal. We're just going to celebrate. I don't, I, I don't want to ruin the day by, by worrying about the other one. I'm good with the four. Can you also imagine if that park attendant that day decided not to put on his uniform? Because he says, you know what? I'm here every day. I, I work in this park week in and week out. And I fix things and no one appreciates me. And I'm always doing the odd jobs that nobody else wants to do. So you know what? I'm Not today. Today's my day to enjoy myself, which we're so good at giving ourselves those speeches, you know. If he would have never put on the uniform, what would have ever happened to that child? See, the fact of the matter is we serve a God that is a father that wants all of his children to come home to him. And he allows us to be those, like that park attendant, that get to put on the uniform because we have a position to play and an assignment to fulfill. It's one thing to be in the theme park and enjoy the theme park. It's another thing to give your life to the theme park because you understand the only reason why you could be in the theme park is because somebody gave their life for you today I don't know where you're at I don't know what cross has been placed in front of you but here's what I know if it's in front of you then you're stronger than you think and God's going to enable you and strengthen you to carry it on your back is there been anybody in the room that would say I'm tired of procrastinating I'm tired of excuses I'm tired of fighting God 
got it from here. Would you pray with me? Father, in this moment, as your children in your presence, we said we want to do whatever it is you want us to do. We want to go wherever it is that you want us to go. We don't fully understand why you've placed this cross in front of us, but we know that you're not wasteful with your time and you're never wasteful with your word. So if you're speaking to us right now, then we want to be obedient. We want to be responsive. We want to do whatever it is that you're calling us to do. We want to take that cross and carry it from here. And God, we say thank you. Thank you for dying on that cross. Thank you for taking our place. Thank you for being such a good father. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for doing what we should have had to do. Thank you for loving us exactly like you do. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, if you agree with that, can you shout out amen? What an incredible message. And thank you so much for joining us in this teaching from Fresh Life Church. If while you were watching this message, you felt led to make a decision to follow Christ, congratulations. We would love to send you a 21-day devotional through the book of John that Pastor Levi wrote. To receive that, text the word Fresh Life to 99000. You can also register your decision by clicking the No God button on our site. We would love to connect with you. If you've been impacted through what God is doing through Fresh Life Church, we would love to hear from you. Click the Share Your Story tab on our site or email us at story at freshlife.church and share how God is using this work to impact your life. These stories are incredibly encouraging to both our staff and our church family. Finally, if you'd like to partner with us financially and support the things that God is doing in and through this house, you can text the word FRESH to 45777. You can click the Give button at freshlife.church or you can give via the Fresh Life app. Thank you so much for watching.